In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Please be seated. Lent. Lent is the season historically when the church practices together coming home to Jesus. I think of Rembrandt's beautiful image of the prodigal son coming home and his father wrapping him up. This is the season of Lent, coming home. We prayed it just like this a few minutes ago in our collect of the day. You don't have to find it in your bulletin, but this is our prayer for the second Sunday in Lent. O God, whose glory is always… What is, what is God's glory? Thomas Aquinas said that uh, God's glory, to see God in His glory, is to see God with the utmost clarity. That is to say, if you scrub the lens of your eyes so that you can see God as He is meant to be seen, what would you see? Mercy. We prayed, O God, whose glory is always to have mercy. Be gracious to all who've gone astray and bring them again. We prayed, bring them home. Bring them home. This prayer is really old. I wish we could uh, have time to talk about um, its history. It, it goes all the way back to before the Reformation in England. It used to be a prayer prayed for heretics who believed the wrong thing. Now it's become a prayer over the last 500 years for everybody, you and me included, who in a thousand different ways need to come home. Now, here's your question if, if you're like me. Why, though? Why, why, why come home to God? Like, why try again? I've failed so many times. My marriage did not end up working out. God did not take away that physical illness. Why come home? Why, during the next few weeks of this season of Lent, why try again? Our Old Testament lesson today has the answer, I think. Would you take your Scripture uh, insert, find the Genesis passage. Let's find some reasons to come home. Why come home? Why try? Abraham in Genesis chapter 15 is given these two reasons. First, he's given the reason that God has made a promise to him. And second, that God has guaranteed that promise. A few weeks ago, we looked at Joseph in the book of Genesis, and we talked about how God is the great storyteller. Remember that? Today, we look at Abraham, and here's what we learn about God. God is the, is the promise maker and the promise keeper. The promise maker and the promise keeper. Now, I got to ask you before we jump into this passage, this is like thick Old Testament theology. So, church, are you ready to get into the passage? Are you ready to learn? I get, I'm going to need like an, a flight attendant seat when you're seated at the exit row. I need like a verbal yes. Yes. All right. Look at verse 1. The promise of God to Abram, this will make you want to come home. First of all, verse 1, the word of the Lord came to Abram in a vision. Pause. Did you know that as a child of God, for Abraham and for you, that God always takes the first step toward you? So when you think about coming home, picture God waiting for you. He initiates, verse 2, 
Uh, well, verse 1, continue. Don't be afraid, Abram. I'm your shield. Your reward shall be very great. We don't know this from our passage, but earlier in Genesis, Abraham has already launched off in this magnificent journey with God. He doesn't know where he's going. He doesn't know what's going to happen, how he's going to get there. And he's in a moment of weakness. He needs a shield and he needs a reward. So God comes to him. He takes the initiative. He says, I'm going to be your reward. I'm going to be your shield. But Abram said, this is Abram's why, O Lord God, what will you give me? For I continue childless in the heir of my house is Eleazar of Damascus. That is to say, I don't have what you've already told me you're going to give me. How are you going to make a nation out of me, God? I don't have a child of my own seed. How is that even possible? You've given me no offspring, verse 3, and so a slave born in my house is to be my heir. But the word of the Lord came to Abram again, verse 4. This man will not be your heir. No one but your very own issue shall be your heir. And then he brought him outside and he said, look towards heaven and count the stars if you're able to count them. And he said to him, so shall your descendants be. Pause. Here's a reason to come home. Did you know that like Abram and for you, God's promise to us as his children is bigger and better, wilder, more miraculous, more global, even than our best dreams for ourselves. Did you know that? God takes the initiative. He comes to you. He finds you. He picks you up when you're weak, and he promises you something better than you can dream for yourself. Abram needed one descendant, he thought. God says, no, look at the stars. That's how many descendants you'll have. Keep going. Then he said to him, so shall your descendants be, verse 6, and he believed the Lord, and the Lord reckoned it to him as what? As righteousness. This is a huge verse. It's huge in the whole Bible. It's huge in the Old Testament story. It's huge. Uh, Paul picks it up and talks about it later, thousands of years later in the New Testament. This is part of uh, what the Protestant Reformation was all about. And it was reckoned to him as righteousness. What did Abraham do that was righteous? Nothing. Did, did you get that? He did nothing. He trusted God's promise to him. What is required of you to be a Christian? Well, nothing in and of yourself, simply that you trust the promise that God has already made to you. This is grace. So, lots of reasons to come home in the first eight verses. Come home because God takes the first step with us. Come home because God's promise is gracious and happens before you've done anything good and stays with you whether you do anything good or not. It's not up to you. Now, here's where we get to the really interesting part. Look at verse 9. This is the guarantee of the promise, and it's weird, and it's bloody, and it's got animal carcasses involved. So, our, this is like quintessential Old Testament, okay? It has everything to do with Jesus Christ and the, God's promise to you. So follow me. Verse 9, God said to Abram, Abram, bring me a heifer and a goat 
and a ram and a turtle dove and a young pigeon. Go get some animals. Why? Because a sacrifice is about to happen, a ceremony, a ritual. Verse 10, Abram brought him all these and cut them in two, laying each half over against the door. How did Abram know to do that? Because what we don't get to know in this passage right from the text, but what we know elsewhere in ancient literature is that this would be a common practice. Animal carcasses would be brought and they would be cut and they would be laid up against either side of like a trench, all along a trench. Their blood would pour down into the middle of this trench and the ceremony that guaranteed the covenant, the deal that two parties were making, they would walk through the blood like this of the cart. Blood was on their feet. Who knows? It probably smelled pretty bad. Now, this is way different than how we sign contracts, isn't it? <laughs> when we sign a, a, a contract or something, you know, we, we do our John Hancock. The other person does a John Hancock. But um, this is to say, as I'm walking through this blood oath, as I'm cutting a deal, right? That's where we get this phrase, cutting a deal, to say, if I don't hold up to my end of this bargain that we're making, this covenant, this promise, then so will be to my body what has been done to these carcasses that lay around me. So then both parties would walk through. Now, here's what happens. Keep going. Verse 12, as the sun was going down, a deep sleep fell upon Abram, and a deep and terrifying darkness descended upon him. There's always a good moment in the Old Testament when there's darkness, there's fear. Dark is bad. Lots of fear. Why is Abraham afraid right now? Because he has somehow got himself in making a deal with God, the God who created him. And it's about to mean his life if he doesn't hold up to this bargain. He's scared to death. Verse 17, when the sun had gone down and it was dark, a smoking fire pot and a flaming torch passed between these pieces. I told you it was a little bit weird. There's some lots of symbolism going here. In the Old Testament, one of the images of God is the pillar of smoke. Uh, we use incense at this service, and it has something to do with that. It represents the presence of God. It also represents our prayers ascending to God. You know, another image for God in the Old Testament is fire, flame, light. So you see what happens here, right? The, image, the animals are placed on either side, and God goes through the first time. And then when it's Abraham's turn to walk through and to say, I take the responsibility for this oath, who walks through again? God. That is to say, I will take responsibility for this covenant. And if I mess up, God says, so shall be to me like these animals. If you mess up, Abraham, so shall be to me. Do you see how that works? Now, in the New Testament, in the New Testament, we are promised all kinds of things in what has been called a new covenant. There's a moment in every service where 
the body, flesh, bread is taken and broken, isn't it? And we're reminded that all of the promises given to us in baptism are guaranteed because a sacrifice has been made. And it wasn't us on the altar, right? No, it was Jesus. Jesus is our sacrifice. Jesus is the sacrifice of God for us on our behalf. We don't walk through the blood oath. That has been done for us in Jesus Christ. And the blessings are not land and descendants for eight like they were for Abraham. They're forgiveness of sins, new life, reconciliation with ourselves, with other people, and with God. Do you see how it works? Why come home this Lent? Why come home? Because God is a promise maker and a promise keeper. He made it to Abraham. He kept it to Abraham. And the promise continues in Jesus Christ. So that when you walk down the nave to open your hands for the sacrifice that has been given to you, you are eating a meal of promise. What better thing to come home to than a good meal prepared by your Father who's been waiting for you. Child of the promise, come home. Child of the promise, come home.